0: Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we are very excited to be talking to you about the relatively recent movie and relatively indie movie, Blue Ruin.
1: for the mystery I don't mean to scare you you're not in any trouble I just thought you should be somewhere safe when you
0: found out with somebody he's going to be released This is personal. That's how you'll fail.
1: I'd forgive you if you were crazy. But you're not. You're
0: weak. Hello. It's me. By my countless. Man, the one with the gun gets to tell the truth. Okay, the trailer she has finished. Do you have a synopsis for us, Chris?
1: I do. I and it'll take me just one second here. Okay, Blue Ruin is a two thousand thirteen film. As my computer slowly loads. Okay, and it was d- written directed by Jeremy Salnier, I believe is how his name is pronounced, and it stars Megan Blair. Uh, the synopsis is a mysterious outsider's quiet life is turned upside down when he returns to his child home to carry out an act of vengeance. Proving himself an amateur assassin, he winds up in a brutal fight to protect his estranged family. Well, that's not a great synopsis of this movie, I don't think. But we get into that.
0: It does hit the bases. Um, yeah. Now you had seen this before. And I had I did not.
1: So do you want to you want to go first?
0: Sure. Sure. Um, what I know about this movie is very little based on, you know, the conversation we had about it, and you were telling me about it, and I don't oh, that sounds good. Um, so I enjoyed it quite a bit. It is full of unknown faces. Um, I love the way the camera tells the story. Um, it feels that the unknown faces and the intimacy of the way the shots are set up give it a very um authentic feeling right and i think mm-hmm. sometimes the script and very occasionally the dialogue betrayed that this was um you know that, that somebody was writing this project but mm-hmm. for the most part uh we we follow the main character very closely and it it all seemed very plausible and very true, uh, and I got sucked right into it. It's a kind of a... It's bleak. You know, there's not a lot of levity. Um, no. A lot of tension, a lot of loneliness and despair. Um, and then there were pulse-quickening moments, explosions of action. But, um, you know, for a movie that feels very small, and I in something I read the term crowdsource kind of pop up. I don't know if it was actually a crowdsourced movie, but if it was, that makes a ton of sense to me because it feels very DIY, um, by a group of talented people. And I think because it wasn't a known director to me and a known cast, uh, it it had a really fresh feeling to it that I thought was great.
1: Mm hmm. What do you think? I looked it up just now. Um, oh, yeah, there was Kickstarter vol- involved in this. Uh, or no, maybe that's another movie that he directed called Murder Party. What do you think the budget is listed at?
0: $850 million. <laughs> exactly. Right on the nose. <laughs> right on uh, the nose. To the to the penny. Um, let me see. I'm going to... Okay. Um, let's just say... So I have two guesses. Um, one is if it's a union movie, if they shot at union. And the other is if they shot at independent and they didn't have to pay all the union stuff.
1: Yeah, that, was, that
0: part I don't know about. Uh, if it was an independent film and it wasn't shot with union workers, I'm going to say $50,000. And if it was a union shoot i'm going to say it was 2 2 million so we will we'll kind of split the difference
1: i again i don't know if it was union or not the budget's listed as 420,000 um, and it brought in almost a million which is oh, not bad really no that's no, um the a couple of the things that i really like about this movie is i like the but can i just jump oh, back oh, in oh for oh, a, sh- oh. Oh, sure. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you weren't. No,
0: no. I want to speak to that number because what that says to me is the difference between a 50,000 and what was it four fifty? Yeah. 420. Yeah. 420 to me is that you pay people. Right. You know, right. I mean, you could make that movie on $50,000 if nobody got paid. You basically put them up in a friend's. You know, you, you buy one house and everybody stays there or they all stay with friends of yours where you're shooting. And, you you know, you pay for their food and everything, but you don't cut them. They get they get points on the movie or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Or You pay them a couple hundred bucks. This is like you actually pay the crew and the actors for their time and not Hollywood rates, but like yeah, so we're going to shoot this in six weeks and, you know, your day rate is whatever and I'm going to pay you a reasonable amount to show up and care about doing this movie. And that's, to me, the difference between 50000 and 420000 is... And maybe you hire someone to feed everyone. Because mm-hmm. $420,000 sounds like a lot of money, but it's really it's really not when you consider how many people go into making a movie and how long it takes... And you've got a room and board those people, or maybe you're shooting locally and you're using local people. So you don't have to put them up and they go home to their own place at the end of the day. But that is not much movie to make. Uh, that is not much movie. That is a lot of movie for not much money. Um, it looks great. It looks like a much more expensive film than that.
1: Yeah. That's the thing. I, uh, the thing maybe the question that I would ask you, if this were a $50,000 movie where it was just kind of friends who got together and, and, you know, nobody took any money or anything. Do you think it would look this polished? Because to me, this could be like something like a made for Netflix sure thing or
0: something, you know? I think, uh, the lighting looked really good and the camera work was really good and the sound was great. And that says to me that the people in charge of that, the DP, you know, everybody in charge of those three elements knew what they were doing and probably got paid. And, mm-hmm. and we're we're professional. The director really knew what he was doing, and the lead of this movie is terrific. And I think the supporting cast is—I'll um, give them two varies, very very good. I don't think yeah. anybody in the movie quite holds up is quite as good as the lead, but of course that's who you want to be the most compelling. Um, it, I. And the other thing is, so there's some violence in it there's some gunshot wounds and uh he gets shot with a shotgun and he sort of lifts up his shirt to check out the damage and that looks really great I mean it looks terrible yeah (laughs) I mean you know the gunshot looks like he got shot with a shotgun um but it's very convincing and I that somebody knew what they were doing with that effect so you know when when they're, they're it's sparing there isn't cgi you know there's not cars turning into robots but when there is violence and there is um prosthetics and and effects like that they they look real they yeah look really real it's not you know a rubber mask of a drowned whatever it is it looks like he got shot <laughs> with a shotgun it looks great there's
1: one, there's one scene where there are so uh, the the actor's name is Macon Blair. And, and I just looked, he had six or seven feature credits before this. So he had, I mean, I don't recall seeing him before, but he'd done some other things, but there's a scene where uh, one of the bad guys is going, has him on the ground and is going to kill him. And this buddy of his that he goes to, to get help, shoots that guy right through the mouth. And man, that, you know, that effect is very <laughs> realistic looking. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen that happen in real life, but it, it looks real.
0: Um, very, very um, plausible. Very believable. And not um, not like a zombie movie where, not like Shaun of the Dead. You know, I don't know if you watched the... Sort of making of where they show you how they they set up a melon and they kind of green screen it, but there's a splatter like oh, you know, when you shoot the zombie in the head and the head just goes splat, you know and then that's part of the roller coaster ride of the movie is the sort of thrill of the splatter or a chainsaw cutting a zombie in half, right It's not that kind of um violence effects, but it you know. In another movie, uh, you would hear the gunshot and the guy would just fall over and there wouldn't be any effect at all. And he had just been shot in the back, (laughs) you know. Um, And in this one, they kind of blow his jaw off. Well, it doesn't it doesn't linger on it, you know, and it's not like the whole jaw comes clean off and you see his tongue lolling around like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just blam. And there's a spray of blood and the guy goes down but you see enough of it to know that he basically got shot in the side of the head and took off most of his jaw. And you're just like, damn, you know, but it, but it doesn't break character. No. Right. They doesn't, it doesn't slip into like, dude, totally shot the guy. Right. I mean, it's, you just like, Oh man, he really caught him in a gross place, but
1: none of it seems really gratuitous or it's like, Oh, we want to show gore, you know?
0: Exactly. It does not ever feel gratuitous. It does feel like the filmmaker is kind of like, all right, I really want this to look like, you know, it hurt, but, um, but it isn't gratuitous. It never feels gratuitous.
1: No, no. Um, A couple of the things that I really like about this movie, I like the, I guess the word I would say is the minimalism of the, of the, storytelling and the writing so we haven't really talked about it but when the movie starts so dwight is he's this homeless guy living in a car on the beach i guess it's i guess it's virginia beach i'm not sure or maybe he's in delaware I, i forget exactly how how it works out but his uh and we don't know why he's homeless really we don't know anything about him and we uh uh, poli- a woman who's a police officer comes to his car to tell him that she needs to talk to him. And what she reveals to him is that um, his his parents had been murdered. Uh, I guess it was uh, there's a, a newspaper article that he has. So I'm guessing it must have been 1993 when they were murdered. But anyway, the guy who um, he believes is the murderer is being released.
0: And right. so she goes to tell him that. And so. And, and let me just pause you for okay, a second because sure. I want to back up. I want to slow down. A, a, what we see is he's taking a bath, right? The opening shot. Yeah. And, and, and this is one of my favorite parts of the movies is what this guy does is he'll break into people's houses and use it like a home for a little bit he's taking a bath and he's having a soak he looks homeless he's got uncut hair and this long uncut beard and he's sitting in the tub sort of soaking and then you hear voices of people outside and he sits up on high alert you know and then jumps out of the bath and like towels off and grabs I think he steals clothes sometimes too like he does yeah uh, you know and, and he basically slips out the back and you realize oh That's not his house. Mm -hmm. Like, but this is all, there's no dialogue yet, right? You're just learning new information in every part of the shot. And so he does it again a couple of times later. His his ammo, he lives in his car, but he kind of slips into people's houses when they're not there, excuse me, and to get clean and just, is there a shot where he actually sleeps in someone's bed? I don't. I don't believe
1: that. so. I don't know I don't, that we have. I ever don't actually think see he ever
0: that. lets his guard down. But right. he does slip into people's houses to like bathe and have a moment of human, you know. And, and then he sort of leaves when he senses that they're going to show up. And I really, I just think that does so much to establish what kind of character this guy is. He's not. Um, I mean, he's clearly emotionally damaged, Mm -hmm. but he's not mentally impaired. No. And, you know, you think, but for the emotional damage we learn about as we go, you know, this guy could have a job and could have an apartment. And he's not the kind of guy who is waiting for his parents' murderer to be released. And in the meantime, he works at an insurance company and has some forgettable little one bedroom apartment near the jail right Mm -hmm. he's homeless he's a drifter so there's just so much you learn about this guy from that little detail and i loved that right
1: yeah exactly and i think
0: that the movie is actually at its weakest when it relies on exposition like we get towards the end and people start having conversations and start talking to each other and it's not that it gets bad but I just thought the movie was so much more effective when it was completely sans dialogue and telling the story visually. Mm -hmm. Right. Because he has very expressive eyes and a very expressive face. And I think he's a very good actor. And when you start sort of when when people start explaining stuff to each other, that's when it started to feel a little written to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, they. Because a lot of the rest of the movie, even when there is some dialogue, there's kind of just little sketches of background. Right. Um, you know, you're kind of just given as much information as you need, really. We know that he's homeless. Presumably he's homeless because he was he was just so distraught over the you know his parents being murdered. But we don't right. really know. Right what he was like prior to that if he was somebody with a job you know and and all of that we we can kind of assume because he's you know intelligent and resourceful and everything
0: and he does have a sister right he visits his sister and i love the scene with the sister yeah where where and she he's like you you should uh leave right he's concerned for her safety because well, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. You oh, sure. resume. So, so, so I, I was he just finds out say, that the guy's getting out of prison.
1: Yeah, he, find, he finds out that the guy's getting out of prison, and basically, he goes, you know, to murder him, and he does. And then the rest of the family more or less comes after him. But, but another thing with the minimalism, we don't find out until halfway through the movie what the reason is that the parents were killed. So it turns out that that Dwight's father was having an affair with the mother of this other family. And, and
0: it, it was actually the, 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 the husband, right? The, yeah, um, the betrayed husband who was, who went to kill Dwight's father and inadvertently, or we, so we hear from a biased, you know, narrator.
1: One of the, yeah. One of the, one of his children
0: that, that, that wasn't, um, strictly intentional. Right, like, it's like he didn't go to kill them both. He just went to kill the man who was, you know, having an affair with his wife. Mm-hmm. And your mom was there, and things kind of went sideways, and that wasn't part of the plan, or whatever. But then, you know, so but now, and and that actually, the, it wasn't the father that was in jail. It was one of the brothers, and the brother right. gets out, and he follows them from prison to this kind of roadhouse, and he hides out in the bathroom with. He tries to steal a gun i, I this is uh, i totally forget this he breaks into a car to steal a gun and he tries to get the kind of trigger lock off the gun and ends up breaking the gun mm-hmm. which is great right I mean it's this yeah. great like i'm winging it scene that doesn't work, so he ends up in the in the bathroom, the toilet stall of this really greasy roadhouse with um with like a shiv, like a sharpened kitchen knife, and waits until the guy comes in to take a leak. And there is a very sloppy scuffle where he ends up stabbing the guy in the neck, and we really think the guy might get the better of him. And so now there's a body on the floor. There's blood everywhere. He's covered in blood, right? And you just get the sense that there's no plan. The plan is when he gets out, I'm going to kill that guy. Yeah. That's the plan. And then he sort of manages it, and he, you can see the look on his face being like, I don't know what to do now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's just really terrific. And he gets out of there and steals the car, the sort of limo that they picked him up from prison in. And leaving leaves his car there because he lost it, the key he has around his neck. He and left, left the keys in the, in, the, in the bathroom. Yeah, And so he gets outside and people are like, oh, man, what's going on? You know, and the alarm is starting to go up and he's outside. And so he jumps in their car, which <laughs> he had already knifed the tire in a fit of. And like, cut
1: his hand in the process really. And, badly. and
0: then so he gets in a car that he has just hobbled and takes off. I mean, it's just – it's really a great uh, depiction of haphazard, like how things kind of immediately fall apart in situations like this. Like Mm -hmm. even if – he didn't seem to have a plan in the first place, but it's just terrific. And then so uh, – I'm sorry. I keep – No, no, no. Go ahead. No, the mic from you. Sure. I forget – I'm forgetting at the moment how he – at what point does he become afraid he manages to get away although i'm forgetting momentarily he just he goes
1: and him. like runs through the woods we don't really show he has to leave the car
0: he ditches the car
1: and then and then the next thing we show he's he's hiking through the woods and then that's when he goes and uh um he finds another house that is uh he he sees he right. goes to a housing development and he sees where all this mail and newspapers are out on the, you know, front steps of this house. So he presumes that the people have been gone for a while. And he goes in again and takes a bath and steals some clothes. Shaves. And he shaves, yeah, hair. cuts his hair. Yeah.
0: And he wraps up his hand. Or does he go, does he go to get care for his hand?
1: No, that's uh, what you're probably thinking of. He wraps up his hand himself. Later on... One of the guys shoots him with an arrow through the leg. That's And he he winds up in the hospital with that. He goes to
0: like a quick care. And when he comes to, they've stitched up his leg. He tries to take the arrow out himself. So there's things like this, like one of the guys shoots him with an arrow. And -hmm. you're like, what? You know, so there's, I get it. So, okay, so let's, let's zoom back out for a minute. So what we're dealing with here is a kind of a wild and rowdy family. Mm-hmm. And it's a relatively big family and they're kind of woods people. They're kind of like, let's rent a limo to pick our brother up when he gets out of jail and we'll take him and get, you know, trashed at a roadhouse, that kind of family kind of neighbors. You don't want to have, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're, pretty,
1: they're pretty trashy. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and uh, we, and we see dangerous. Yes. Right. Um, so I guess the arrow is kind of like oh well that's the weapon they've got cuz they hunt but we see that they also have other so the 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 arrow felt kind of metaphoric somehow when the guy shoots him with an arrow I'm like why are you bringing an arrow to a gunfight a bow and arrow to... right I just... at
1: first I kind of thought maybe it was like well cuz it wouldn't would be quiet. but noise. but the other guy has a rifle you know right. so it's
0: like right 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 so so there's little things like that, and, and I am not. I say these things because I noticed them, but they didn't take me, they didn't ruin the movie for me. But I, there are some, having made a low-budget movie, there are things that you kind of do to, like, I don't know. I So the stuff like him sneaking into the houses, the fight in the bar, the sense of there not being a plan, All of these things felt absolutely true to me. And Mm -hmm. then the guy shooting him with an arrow felt a little forced somehow, like a little weird in a, I just felt like if you're going to go break into a house to kill a guy, that's not the weapon you'd take.
1: Probably not. No.
0: Anyway, that's right. So he tries to get it at himself and he doesn't, he can't, which is great because he's not Rambo and that feels true. Mm -hmm. And, he kind of limps. Does he get himself to a quick care? Yeah,
1: I what they don't really show what happens. They basically, he I believe, he just, yeah, I, I believe he just blacks out, and the next thing you know, he's in the he's in
0: the hospital, and they've taken out the arrow and sutured up his leg, and he's like, oh, oh, I gotta get out of here, and he just bolts. Mm-hmm. He goes to see his sister, and oh. This is what it was. He goes to see his sister because he left his car at the roadhouse. And his car is still registered. You know, his sister technically inherited the car. Although he's had it since his parents died. So Mm -hmm. the car is going to lead them back to his sister who has a kid. Yeah. And he's like, I'm so, so sorry, but I did this thing and you have to get out of here. The car is going to lead them back to you. So she goes to where, Pittsburgh or somewhere? She uh, yeah, I believe so. It's a great scene because he's just not mincing any words. He's just like, she's like, where have you been? You know, and he's like, you know, I've been a drifter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But now, now it's the stakes are higher for him because it's not just his neck on the line. He's afraid. Now, now he's inadvertently dragged his sister into this. And I thought that was terrific. Also, I thought that really upped the stakes of the movie and gave him a motivation to and gave the film drove the film forward in exciting and plausible ways, because now there's this family who it turns out the father had killed his parents and not this brother who went to jail for it. And the dad's dead. I don't. I don't remember what happened to the dad, but
1: they said basically they what the other brother says is that the dad had cancer ah. and that and they were like he couldn't go to prison. So whatever his name was,
0: took right. the took the fall, basically. Right. And, and now our hero has just killed what the family considers to be not just an innocent whatever, but a, a martyr for the father. Right. Mm-hmm. So now they definitely want him dead. And he ends up abducting another one of the brothers. How does that how does he get that guy?
1: So that is the guy that um, so when he's at his sister's house, uh, uh, he might be the arrow. uh, I don't know if he had the arrow or the gun, but at any rate, when he's at his sister's house and these two guys, the two brothers come after him or whatever, you know, relation they are. And he hits one of them with the car. And you think maybe he's dead, but he was just unconscious. And he drags him into the car and then later puts him in in the trunk and keeps him in there for a
0: while. And then when when he finally lets him out of the trunk, there's some exposition that feels natural, doesn't feel Mm -hmm. strained. And we learn some backstory. Right. In a good way. And the uh, the other guy almost gets the drop on him. um, He has... He has a buddy, our hero, has a buddy that he goes to see who's sort of a survivalist.
1: Yeah, he'd been in the military.
0: has weapons and gives him a gun. And it's there's no 80s montage, but he sort of tries to teach him some basic stuff and gives him some basic advice. Um, and shadows him, which when we talk about the guy getting his jaw shot off, the other guy does get the drop on him. And it turns out that his buddy has been tailing them and he, he shoots him. He's like, sorry, I had to wait until it was legal. Like when it mm-hmm. became clear that he got your gun and was going to kill you, then I felt I could legally shoot him instead of just sniping him earlier. Which
1: that was a funny line because it's like, how are you going to prove that in court? You know, exactly. right.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, but but so he saves him in that instance. And then in order to protect him, our hero ditches him like takes the battery out of his car so that he can't continue to follow him. Right. Um which I also thought was a nice touch. He's a smart guy. You know, yeah. he doesn't think of everything, but he thinks of a lot of things that I wouldn't necessarily think of. Anyway, um what he does is he ends up going out to the brother's house and there's sort of he sort of realizes that the family is checking his voicemail or something to that effect. And he leaves a message saying, hey, it's me. Um, and he's actually in the house. And it's another brother and, I guess, two sisters? mm mm-hmm. um, And they're furious. And he has this moment of being like, oh, I don't think I can. He has the drop on him. He could just shoot him in the back. And then he, he clearly is not that kind of a person. And he's like, oh, I just can't do this. And then... In the message, he's saying, you know, I just want you to leave my sister out of it. And the brother, all fired up, is like, well, that's why we're going to Pittsburgh, you know? Yeah. And that's when he raises the gun and blows that guy away. (laughs) And then there's a sort of a standoff with him and the two sisters. And it turns out there's a, I guess, a grandson or a nephew or something that we haven't seen that's been out in the car. And he's got a shotgun and it's sort of a peck and paw, you know. Ending,
1: and I believe he. There's something that Dwight says. I forget exactly what the line is, but I believe that boy, uh, his father was Dwight's father. So he had gotten the the other woman uh, pregnant. I, I think there's a line yeah. there where he says something about about that. So but that was kind of the way I understood is,
0: it. He shoots him in the in the gut, basically, and. And then they're like, blow his head off. You know, he's like, I don't want to. Like, he doesn't want to be a murderer either. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, the car's out in the woods or whatever. The keys are in the car. Just you can just go and leave. Right. Like, it's clear these two aren't leaving here. And it's pretty clear I'm not leaving here either. But you can still you can walk away from this and you can take my car. You Know mm-hmm. so the kid drops the gun and walks away. And I say kid, he's maybe 18, like, 20. Yeah, 18
1: or 20. Yeah. yeah,
0: younger than our protagonist, is probably 28, maybe 30. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just kind of a boyish face. Uh, but 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 then then there's a sort of showdown with the sisters, and it turns out there's a automatic weapon like a Mac 10 or something taped under the thing. I mean, a, that was
1: the only thing that it for of, a yeah. second but kind of delved into like sort yeah. of typical action movie. Yeah because it's like and, they have it's strapped yeah. under a uh lazy boy chair.
0: And you know I don't care how rock and roll a family is that's crazy. Yeah. Um and and that's the scene in which there's a lot of blah blah blah. Right. Our hero starts talking. I'm like, look, kill them or don't, dude. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what are you? What if, if you end up killing these people? What is the point of this monologue? You know, he starts monologuing like a bad guy. Right. You're just like shut up and either do it or don't. I don't understand why when you shot the brother, you didn't just kill the two sisters. You're already a murderer. Right. You know, you're not breaking the seal here. You've now killed the older brother that you thought did it and now have found out didn't do it. And you've shot the guy just because he threatened your sister. These two sisters are clearly firebrands. Like, yeah. they're they're of the same cloth. You know? And it right now. Like, they will kill you if you give them the opportunity. If you mm-hmm. let them walk away, they're clearly not going to let it go. And I know you don't want to kill them, but do it. That's that's your choice. Uh, And, you know, and instead he starts talking and I just felt like, "Mm, I don't know, know. maybe I would do this. I don't know what I would do in that situation. That's it. Just felt a little movie scripty.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. By that point, it, it did. And one of those sisters, I didn't realize this at all watching the movie, but one of those sisters looking at IMDb is Eve Plum, who was Jan Brady.
0: No kidding. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I never. Well, that's where the four
0: hundred and twenty thousand went. I guess so. They had to pay her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I thought it was really great. It did. It did make me want to see Green Room, which is the other, the sort of next movie by that. Um,
1: yeah. So, so Green, so Green Room came out in two thousand fifteen, and I believe with one thing that I would say about Blue Ruin is I think it was criminally underseen. Um, You know, it has very, I I think you were saying Rotten Tomatoes. It was 96%. Yeah.
0: Um, Got a really good number.
1: On IMDb. It is, I think it was 7.1. Which I, I would rate it a lot higher than that, but um, with only. Uh, well, 69,000, I guess that's not too, too bad. At first I thought it was 4,200, but it's sixty sixty nine thousand. 69,000. Whereas, um, let's see what green room was. Cause I, cause green room got a good bit of buzz. Um, now it had it, had,
0: it had Patrick Stewart in it too, which is. Yeah. It had I Patrick mean, Stewart in it. Name.
1: It had Patrick Stewart in it. It had Anton Yelchin in it. Um, and then this Macon Blair also has a small part in it, but uh let's see what green Rooms I'm sure more people saw it um yeah, Green Room has a seven rating and hundred and eleven thousand hmm. uh ratings, but still not a not a ton um and then this director went on and directed some episodes of true detective um you know, so he he's kind of moved up,
0: up that's a good then. fit. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it feels like that tone green room. I mean, not to, not to ruin it or anything. Green room. I was, I was really excited for after cause I'd seen blue ruin and then green room, like I say, got a ton of buzz. A lot of people were talking about it and it's good. I didn't like it as well as, yeah. as, as blue
0: ruin. I don't. Blue I, ruin, I, green ruin. Yeah. Green next red ruin. <laughs> Uh, it's green, uh, green room. I know. I'm but, trying, oh, okay. I'm, I'm okay.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know if the next thing he did had any color in it or not, but, um, but. Pews. P- yeah. <laughs> but, and then also, I don't, I don't know what we talked about on, on the mic and off the mic, but then this Macon Blair himself is a director. He is directing too, and he directed a great, um, a great Netflix movie called I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Right. Um, he was the writer director of that and that stars, um, Elijah Wood. And it's somewhat of the same kind of tone, but it's, but it, it, it's, it's comedic. Um, it's kind of the same tone in that it's kind of bum, you know, bumbling criminals. But, um, so, and then that, this, this Macon Blair, the the star of Blue Ruin is directing um, this remake of the Toxic Avenger, which just seems right. crazy. But with, you know, now after seeing this, aren't you like a little bit excited to be like, wow, I wonder what this guy would do. I mean, I know he didn't direct Blue Ruin, but.
0: Well I haven't seen I haven't seen the original Toxic Avenger. I'm like, like you, I'm not that into trauma. Yeah. And our friend Tom who was on an earlier episode and worked with trauma a lot really is Yeah. into trauma and I respect him and his opinion and I respect what Lloyd Kaufman has done with trauma, but it's a pretty low it, it, I mean it's pretty um lowbrow mm-hmm. uh and sometimes there's a brilliance to it, but I find most often there's just not. Yeah. It's just kind of. It's yeah, really dumb humor, lowbrow. Like yeah, and potty humor. And 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 you can say, well, that's disruptive. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know that it's, I think it's sophomoric um, mm-hmm. and you can enjoy that. I'm not just being, you know, that's fine. But I don't know that calling something disruptive when it's just sophomoric, to be disruptive, it really needs to kind of, change a paradigm. And I just think that sort of trauma's existence as continued existence as a thing that, that for a while put out this irreverent garbage that was occasionally inspired. Right. Um, is in a, is in and of itself has become part of the kind of, you know, fabric of cinema history and, and indie history and, you know I, a lot of Tom's stuff uh is deliberately lowbrow in the same way and mm-hmm. that's something that he relishes and that there's an audience for yeah but it's i've never really been all that into it myself but i know no, toxic adventure stands as a you know of Troma's stuff toxic avenger is certainly one of the crown jewels of its uh you know yeah yeah campaign. and if
1: anything this movie is going to be much higher quality than than the original <laughs> Toxic Avenger, you know. Well, and Toxic
0: oh. Avenger was a was a, was enough of a made enough of a mark for it to be remade. And there was a cartoon.
1: Not, I don't know if you remember that or not, but there was a Saturday morning Toxic Avenger cartoon. I, I remember watching not, it. Yeah. I do not
0: remember that. Yeah. But the, the toxic Avenger is a janitor gets exposed to nuclear waste or something and turns into a mutant. Yeah. And uh, who does he avenge? I don't know. Who I don't he know. Avenges.
1: I don't know. But like I said, I'm 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 kind of excited. Be, you know, based on what this guy has done in the past, um, and then it's going to have Elijah Wood and Kevin Bacon, and uh,
0: he's a good. Sport. I forget who else, but yeah, yeah.
1: So I, I mean, it just sounds like a very. I guess I'll have to see a trailer, but it sounds like a an interesting, you know, an interesting project. But but back to Blue Ruin, and you know, you touched on a good bit of this you know this is a revenge movie with a little bit of action but it's not an action movie and i like that so much of this feels like yeah this is kind of how this would probably play out in real life you know real life people are not action heroes you know and he he's resourceful and he does the best with what he has but like you said, he doesn't know what he's doing and he hasn't really planned all of this out. Right. And I, and I just, I like the way, you know, I just like the way all of that is
0: set up. Um, I like the way that I like the way it's almost Shakespearean in the mm -hmm. way that violence and violent intense devolve rapidly. Right. Things Mm -hmm. do not go according to plan. Right. And this guy is clever and he thinks of things that i wouldn't think of but almost everything goes wrong every step of the way right i mean you're standing behind a wall you think you're gonna get the drop on the guy and it turns out there's two guys you know what i mean or Mm -hmm. you know you're gonna steal a gun and shoot him but the break the gun it's just nothing goes according to plan and he's committed and he's clever and the filmmakers are good enough that that we care about him from the very beginning, right? He doesn't do anything particularly endearing. We don't see him, you know, rescue a child or, you know what I mean? There's just something in the performance. He's a derelict when we meet him, you know, having a bath in some stranger's house he's broken into. And yet he's our protagonist from the very beginning and that you have to give credit to, the cameraman and the director doing that with the camera and the actor's performance. There's just something in his eyes that you're like, okay, this is our guy. We're with him. Right. Cause you don't, you could say, man, if I found out somebody had taken broken into my house and taken a bath in my tub. Right. I mm-hmm. mean that, that would majorly creep you out. Yeah, very much. But, so. But we, you know, we don't, we don't go there. You just go immediately on this guy's side. And, that's not a given at all. That is definitely no. not a given. I think this is, this is very, very ineffect- uh, effective at, at making us care about the characters, and invest in the outcome. And it isn't the stakes are not, you know, half of the life in the universe. These stakes are, you know, this guy's, this guy's life, and it turns out his sister's life, and the lives of, of. The children of the person who also, like Shakespeare, it cascades, right? So, one evil deed, the, the, it turns out his father having an affair with the other guy's wife led the jealous husband to try and murder the father, and he sort of accidentally or ended up, right? He didn't set out to kill the husband his father and mother, but he ended up killing them both. So now we go from a broken heart to a murder, to a double murder, mm-hmm. to a son whose life is utterly shattered and he has a death wish. And he murders an innocent man whom he believes to have been guilty of it. Now he's a murderer, right? You can't even pin that on revenge because you killed the wrong man, right? You didn't spend this time and energy finding out the truth. You, you, killed the wrong guy and you don't get to kill the guy who did it because he already died in this banal cancer right so now they're trying to kill you now there's Mm -hmm. a bunch of people involved now you kill another one of them now you've got two bodies you know and it just keeps these dominoes keep falling and you think one little act of evil uh just spreads and escalates Mm -hmm. and and nobody is able to let it go yeah. Right. Nobody is able to let it go. I mean, there's lots of people that suffered a trauma at the hands of somebody else that f- try and figure out a way to get on with their lives. Right. That's an injury that happened to them. And they try to uh, um, cope with it. They don't they don't think that. Murder, vengeance will right the scales. Mm-hmm. Right. So this guy doesn't need to have lived in his car as a life and wait for the guy to get out and then kill him. But that's just, that's what he feels. Right. I mean, the sister lost her parents, but she didn't (laughs) collapse into a murderous whatever. right? Right. So there is this sort of tragedy to the whole thing that I think is, has a profound chime to it. And, and, I mean, that's a tragedy. Like Hamlet, you know? There's just bodies all over the floor at the end of Hamlet. And mm-hmm. somebody gets... To, not everybody dies, but most of the characters that you've come to meet in the movie are dead at the end of it. And you think, what a senseless waste of human life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? This started with one evil act, and look where it ends. It ends with blood all over the floor and everybody dead at by each other's hands. Right.
1: And even though the... You know, the the sister... Um, Her life didn't fall apart. It's interesting when he tells her that he killed the guy instead of her being like, oh, my God, what did you do? You know, that's terrible. She immediately says, I'm glad he's dead and I hope he's suffered. Yeah. You know, Um, another thing along those lines um, and something that could maybe be you could maybe be view as a as a minor criticism. You're with him all the time because the the other family is nothing about them is ever portrayed as positive you know they're you're supposed to dislike them from the moment you see you know when he when he goes he follows them he sees them pull up in the limousine to pick the guy up at, uh, from the the prison and you're immediately just like i don't like these people you know and right. even when you find out he killed the wrong guy it's never like oh man this you're still like who cares you know they're all terrible basically you know that's that's the that's the feeling i got anyway watching it you know you don't feel like oh that's terrible that he killed the wrong guy you're just like they're all terrible it's this horrible family you know that
0: that also chimes as profound to me and i think of palestine and israel right Mm -hmm. which is i know blowing you know that's a huge leap here Mm -hmm. but conflicts
1: or maybe you know we've interact. got uh,
0: you, you you just you can't forgive you think i don't know you get to a point where you you can't really parse out who started it the wound is so painful and deep that it demands retribution and that's why the dominoes start falling in a spreading pattern right it's just each new offense is becomes the thing you're avenging and it compounds itself and compounds itself
1: and it's probably even more like, especially, um, in the area where they are, it's kind of more like the Hatfields and the McCoys, you know, um, you know, it, it gets to some point where nobody really remembers exactly, not in the case of this, but the Hatfields fields and McCoys, they probably didn't remember how it all started, but just they hate each other, you know,
0: so. Yeah. Um, I, I really was impressed with this film really was impressed and I enjoyed it as much as I could enjoy. Uh, I mean, I guess we're getting near the end here. I, I would highly recommend the movie in terms of it, like using my litmus test of it being a popcorn thing. Like it, it's a great watch, especially if you're into like uh, kind of newcomers and a, and a DIY, like, Hey, where I want to make a movie and scrape up the money and, and do it as best as I can. I think it's among the best that I've seen. It's terrific. Uh, It is a tragedy and it's not, um, it doesn't feel grand in scope. It feels very personal Mm -hmm. and um, senseless at the end of it. I think in some ways tragedies, that's part of it is at the end you just think, oh man, this didn't, this didn't have to happen this way, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it's so, not a great, like grab a couple of beers and a popcorn and like, Whoa, you know, it's like, oh you know, but it's really good.
1: Yeah. And it's not, it's not so dark and depress I mean, it's dark and depressing. There's, you know, a tiny bit of levity here and there. Um, I really like when he goes in, uh, and finds his buddy, who's the, the military guy, you know, there's, there's a little bit of right. jokiness there. Right. Um, but um, it's not so dark and depressing that you just feel, you know, this isn't uh requiem for a dream, you know, no. Where you just get to the end and you're just like, Oh my God, you know, you no. just want to uh, it's, it's not like that. And it's, and there are, um, you know, there are a couple of, of bloody scenes, but it's not so gory. It feels a lot like, Things that you'll see in in a typical HBO show or a made for Netflix, you know, series about, um, you know, this kind of basically kind of criminal activity and everything. So it's it's not you know, it's not like it's just a bloodbath throughout. And it's as you said, it's a small movie. It's a revenge movie, but it's not an action film. But I just really like, you know, it's it's minimalistic, but. There is an artfulness to a lot of the shots like early on in the movie um, when he goes to kill the first guy and he goes, it's in this public restroom and there's just a close up at one point of his hand brushing against the sink when he walks in. And it's just I just noticed that shot. It's just a very simple thing, but it's it was just very felt, you know, artistic to me, but not in a in a pretentious way, you know.
0: the the it's effective it makes us feel in that room yeah it it it's excellent it brings us right into that room
1: and then a, a minute or two later he's in the stall and he hears the guy come in to the bathroom i guess he's at the urinal or the sink or something and he hears him talking and there's just a close-up on, on dwight's face of him putting his hand over his mouth and he's just about to cry, uh, which, you know, that's another thing where that feels like a very natural reaction that a person right. would have in that kind of situation. Okay, here's this guy that, you know, you think has killed your parents and you are hearing his voice for, you know, presumably maybe he was in the courtroom and, you know, heard the guy's voice at that time. But it's the first time he's heard it in these years. And he knows, you know, the plan is he's going to kill this guy here in just a minute. And and that was another really effective shot, but, but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. This is, so this is the third time I've watched this. Um, I mean, I would put this on a list of my favorite movies of the past decade. Wow. Um, I liked it. I liked it that much. And even though I downplayed it a little bit, you know, if you would watch this one, um, I think most people would probably like green room and then also, I don't feel at home in this world anymore, which was made for Netflix. Now it's that one's funny, but still a lot of the same. It's still violent and it's kind of bumbling criminals that don't really know what they're doing, you know? And, uh, so it's a really great one too. So any of these people involved, I mean, I would recommend, I would really highly recommend their films. Cool.
0: That's a nice, that's a nice, nice. Um, we haven't discussed at all what we're going to do next time.
1: Do you want to try to spitball a little bit or figure it out here? So there were a couple, I don't know. I mean, if whatever thoughts, if there's things that you've been thinking about, um, you know, let me know. But, uh, there were a couple that I was a few that I was thinking about. It kind of depends on if you want to watch another serious movie like this or, or watch something a little cheesy too. I, um, have you seen either or both uh now these were directed uh, not by this director but a uh, a director directed both of these movies either Session 9 which came out in 2001 or The Machinist that came out in I've
0: seen The Machinist. Okay. I feel like I've seen Session 9. Is that about an abandoned uh asylum? Asa- asa- yeah, I saw yeah. that too. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, so if you've seen both of them, then then maybe we wouldn't cover them. But uh session nine, because somebody else had it popped into my head because somebody else had mentioned it. And that is a that is an kind of an underseen horror movie, I think, where it is, it's been quite a while since I've seen it, but I don't know what your recollection of it is. But you know, that's not a really a bloody movie or anything, but that is no. just a psychological film that is, you know, people talk about oh you know what's a movie that's scary to me that's one that i think of as being scary that's a movie that just gets under your skin
0: i don't remember um i don't remember being enthralled by it okay i i remember respecting it for being low budget and using a bunch of tricks but At the end of the day, I felt about it a little bit of how I felt about Blair Witch, which was like, they did an amazing thing with nothing, Mm -hmm. right? They did an amazing thing with a bunch of actors in the woods and handheld cameras. Then they took it to Sundance and they spun it into a sequel and they spent, you know, tens of dollars on it and made millions. Um
1: that, yeah, that was, you know, I lived just a, at one point, just a few miles from where they shot the Blair Witch.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah. Yep. So when the um, Blair Witch came out, it was kind of crazy. There was all the hype around that. And that little town of Burkittsville, Maryland, they were selling souvenirs of the little witch things and sure. the trees, you know, and all that. So there was yeah. kind of like this mania, you know, I mean, there was sort of mania around the country, but. Right where I was living, there was kind of this mania, too. Because-
0: well, it was super effective in a number of ways because they, you know, the, the other trope of it was they they painted it as true, right? They're not the first in literature or art to do this, be like, this is a true thing. It but they were probably
1: ridiculous. the first movie to really effectively use the Internet, too, because I yeah. read about that movie. Yeah. For a good year, maybe year and a half before it came out. And I knew people who, you know, even though at the end there were closing credits, but I knew people who went to watch that and swore that it was real. Yeah, that it was like they just found these videotapes and put them. So they did. I don't know if you ever went to that website or anything before the movie came out, but they did an incredible job, you know, of just hyping that movie up with that website.
0: Yes, they did. And um, they also really, really leveraged the digital handheld. Um, that was right, right. That's what broke it, really. That was yeah. the tip of the spear. This whole like mumble core, like I shot this on my iPhone, you know, that made that possible. And the fact that that thing made uh, money
1: I think it made over $100 million. It might have made close to $200 million.
0: Yeah, and they made a sequel, which is terrible. Yeah. Um, But I I give them props for all of that. I I liked the performances in the film. I didn't enjoy the film. I felt like the running handheld stuff made me seasick, and I was waiting for the end where there was going to be some kind of payoff, and you'd see The Witch, and you never saw The Witch. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, And so I'm like, I sat through this whole movie called The Blair Witch, and I don't even get a glimpse of the witch. There's not even like a Cloverfield glimpse of it at the end. And I was just like, you know, you can. You got to show the witch. (laughs) There's got to be a witch, man. Can't have a movie about the witch and there's no witch. Uh,
1: I enjoyed it. And I saw that in the theater. I enjoyed it. But then if you try and go back and watch it, it's almost unwatchable. Yeah. Now one of the guys, so it was two guys that, that made that or directed it. And one of them directed another found footage movie, maybe like 10 or so years ago called exists, which is a Bigfoot movie. And they do show Bigfoot in it. And it's really good. Um, You know, it's a lot of, it's, it's, you know, found footage. So it's a lot of the, you know, kind of the same thing as what the Blair Witch, but much, much more polished. Yeah. Um,
0: you got to show the thing. You can't call it Bigfoot and not show Bigfoot. You can't, you know, I mean, you can't call it Cloverfield and not show Cloverfield. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, but he did that. He, he understood that, that you got to see, it's fine to not linger on it. Right, you don't need to see the car turning into the robot, but you have to catch a glimpse. You have to see enough of that. Actually, you know who did it really well was M. Night Shyamalan in in Signs. Uh, in signs.
1: I was just, I was thinking as you were saying that. I was thinking the birthday party where the where the alien walks across the screen.
0: That movie, I will, I will preface this by saying the ending lost me. And yeah, of course. You know, the ending of The Sixth Sense is what... It's a solid, terrific movie throughout, and the ending is like this, is like the moment where Neo wakes up in The Matrix, right? And that is a slam dunk very early in his career that I think would be difficult for anyone to replicate. But Signs tried to do that same hat trick, um, and the ending was laughable. Hmm. But the build-up to it... The rest of the movie was great. The build-up to it was absolutely terrifying. I mean, because you think they, you think they're crazy. Like you think this is a bait and switch. It can't, that, you know, come on, this isn't, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and then there's some footage where you see a sort of a leg in the cornfield, like then there actually becomes this, there's there are moments where I'm getting chills down my spine right now. Just remembering the effect it had on me in the theater. Yeah. It's ter- It was terrifying, and the village was another one like that. Actually.
1: I loved the village. You know, people. There were some people that kind of again. You
0: know, the twi- it fell apart at the twist. Yeah, but, but building still, up to it, it was absolutely atmospheric and terrifying.
1: Yeah, for sure. There were people that you know. The sixth sense was was pretty much such a phenomenon that there were people that kind of discredited everything that he did after that. But he was right, one of those couldn't live up to that. But yeah. yeah.
0: That is an amazing piece of film, right? There. But
1: he was one of those directors. He hit a big slump and did some bad things. And then he's come back, you know, in the last few years, he's, he's done some good stuff again, but the sixth sense unbreakable unbreakable was fantastic. I, I felt, uh, the village, and signs, that was a really good run, in my opinion. And then he started, things started to slip. And then, well,
0: did you see Splinter? Uh, is
1: that
0: Splinter's the follow up? Am I, is, oh, I sp-
1: Split, the, uh, yeah, the, the sequel. Split. Yeah. Sorry, there was Split, Split and then there's Glass. That was, yeah. And I, people didn't like Glass, but I liked Split and I liked Glass also.
0: Um, to me, uh, James McAvoy's performance as that character is reason enough to watch that movie.
1: He should have, there was talk of an Oscar nomination for because him. But I think he deserved it, you it, know, at least a nomination.
0: It is such an intricate, um, how many different characters does he play? And he just mercurially flickers through them and they're all, they are all uncanny and spectacular. And, and, it's a little bit like M. Night Shyamalan. He's, he's he's so good, but he tries to kind of pull things together in a way and he, and he fumbles right at the clutch point. And you think, ah, oh. but you forget how expertly he handles the film up until that point. You mm. know what I mean? Like if it if it was a guy that, intercepted the ball at his own one yard line and ran it all the way down to the field and then fumbled it at the, uh, the opponent, other one, one, one yard, yard line. line, you'd be like, come on, man. This guy! You're like, dude, he, he, he recovered the ball and he ran it 99 yards. Like, yeah, he butterfingered it at the end, but like, that's crazy up until that point. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I say that. I don't love what was the one with the trees. Was that That's deep? what I
1: was going to say. That was because I was really into M. Night. I mean, I enjoyed his movies, even, you know, some of the ones that people weren't too into. And that was the happening.
0: The happening. There was a uh, lot of really upsetting uh, stuff in that.
1: And I don't know. I've never really looked into it too much, but I mean, that was a really, that was one of my worst movie going experiences because I went into that, you know, liking his other stuff. And wow, it was so bad. And it, um I wonder if it was and I, you know, I haven't I've never read up on this, but it was just like, how does a guy who did Unbreakable and signs in the village and the sixth sense do something as poor as this? And I always kind of wondered if it was meant to be like a B movie because I but because I swear There's a part where you see a boom mic in that.
0: It Um, felt to me like he had a bunch of ideas in his mind of upsetting ways on screen to show people committing suicide. mm -hmm. And he thought, how can I kind of stitch all these things together into a movie? You know, because the premise is really upsetting. Yeah, the premise that somehow chemically we have this sort of switch of survival that if that was turned, then we would all just want to not be alive anymore. And we would just find whatever the most quick, efficacious way to, to off ourselves would be. And you see that a lot in a lot of different ways on screen. And those different ways are very effectively shot in upsetting. Um, but that doesn't necessarily equate to a great movie yeah right
1: but a lot of it looks bad i mean and then you have mark Wahlberg as a scientist you know and it's just like not believable (laughs) at all you know and uh i don't know but but that one was almost like you take somebody who's released several uh you know, several features and then you release like a student film that he worked on or something. I didn't even see the
0: lady, the lady in the water. That one
1: wasn't very good. I mean, that, that was when he was starting to slip. It was like, yeah, that one wasn't too great, but then the happening was bad. But then he, he kind of bounced back. Did you ever see the visit? No. So that is, he made a, that was kind of the beginning of his comeback. He made a found footage movie and I, I liked it quite a bit. It's, it's basically, these two kids go to uh, stay with their grandparents who they've never met. And it's, you know, they're, uh, the kids are a little bit annoying, but the, the, it's a boy and a girl and the boy has a video camera. So he just records everything. Um, and uh, it's, it's good. It, it's worth watching. Oh, wait a minute. Um,
0: and it turns out that they're not really hit their spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler
1: alert. Yeah. They, they're like, escape mental patients or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, they're not, they're not really yeah, their grandparents.
0: Dark things are happening. Right. I didn't realize that was M. Night Shyamalan.
1: Yeah, it was. That, that was kind of the beginning of his comeback. Cause that did pretty, you know, I think it was just kind of like him, either a studio was like, cause I think, well, I think it was probably Blumhouse. And I think it was either him saying like, yeah, I can make a movie for $5 million or whatever it costs or 2 million or whatever, you know? And you know, he showed then, oh, yeah, he can he can take a low budget and do an effective film, you know. And then I, th- I think the next was I think the next movie he did was Split. And then that was like, OK, he's back for real. Yeah,
0: I didn't I didn't think that Split and Glass. I didn't think they worked great, but the fact that he was able to get. And capture that performance at a McAvoy. Was oh, yeah. Just, that can't be under appreciated. Like, yeah, man, just crazy. Just
1: I mean, he's definitely terrifying. a guy who can work with actors. I mean, because you look at, um, you know, I mean, these are all good actors, but. You look at signs. Those are great performances. Right. You know, Mel Gibson you, in that. You might
0: say that he can't stick the landing, but you can't accuse him of not knowing what he's doing. with No, exactly. You, know, you can't say the guy's not a good filmmaker. You're like, Right. That's not accurate. I mean, you may not like his movies fair, you know, but you he's not a say, hack. I mean, <laughs> no, no. Um,
1: and he has, he actually has a new one coming out this summer that I believe is just called old and it's what I know is the pre, of the premise is like these people go to um, they crash on an island or they go to an island or something and there's something supernatural that makes them they're younger people, but it makes them rapidly
0: age. Um. So mm.
1: it sounds a little gimmicky, but
0: yeah. uh, we'll see. So I don't know. But um, the seventh sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, I don't know, but yeah, I, I, I'm happy to see that, that M Knight has, you know, he kind of regained after, cause man, the the happening, that was a, that's about as low as a filmmaker can get, I think, after having
0: a good career. So but, what are we going to do next time? Because um, we are pretty long in the tooth on this episode. So
1: I was thinking I'll run some by you, but one thing that we haven't done that I would like to, try just because I, I'd like to see what your reaction is, is there are a couple of different, um, eighties Italian movies that I'd like to see what you would think. And maybe I'll send you like one is, uh, if you ever seen phenomena from, it's from like 85 or 86 and it is, um, it has Jennifer Connolly. I think it's one of her first Uh, performances and she is a girl who can communicate with insects
0: okay
1: (laughs) I'll send you a trailer and
0: send uh, send me a trailer yeah we'll
1: talk about it off mic because I think it's I mean it's a dumb movie but it's it's really I've never actually seen it in its entirety I've just kind of seen bits and pieces of it but I'd like to try one of these Italian films on you and see what you think
0: all right Well, we don't know what we're going to do next time, but it's Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. All the socials email us and things and subscribe and smash that like button, bros, smash it. And um, yeah, we'll watch another movie for next week. I don't know what it's going to be. So you can't watch it with us, but go watch a movie and maybe it will be the movie that we watch. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be crazy? That would be hilarious um okay so yeah but we both really like blue Ruin, and and if you're into movies like this you should check it out too because it's pretty great man it's really good um and otherwise uh anything else to add chris no that's all for me cool so we're gonna talk to you next week